much for that offertory. It's so good to have you back, my friend. It really, really is. Take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And I want to preach a message entitled, The Temptation. Luke chapter 4, The Temptation. I mentioned last week that 2019, I'm calling the year of faithfulness. I'm encouraging us as a church to be faithful in our attendance. Uh, If you don't have to work or if you're not sick or if you're not on vacation, uh, to be in God's house. Faithful in our attendance. I'm, I'm encouraging us to be faithful in our giving and also faithful in our service to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mentioned last week that we sure could use some help in the nursery. I had one volunteer from last week, and so we only need uh, about 10 others. And so if you would like to volunteer, we would love to have you. If you want to bounce some babies, uh, I tell you, it'll be a great, great opportunity. And, uh, And so the year of faithfulness, and this morning I want to talk about being faithful when we face temptation. Being faithful when we face temptation. We're preaching through the book of Luke on Sunday morning, and we have arrived at Luke chapter 4. Now, there are three things that I want to mention uh, just to sort of preface the message in the introduction. First of all, temptation is not a sin. We need to understand that. Temptation is not a sin. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, what? Yet without sin. And so Jesus was tempted. That's what the Bible says. Jesus was tempted in all points, yet without sin. And so temptation, being tempted, is not a sin. The second thing that I want to mention is this, that temptation is a reality. You are tempted. You are tempted. You back there in the back, you're tempted. Over here on my right, you're tempted. I am tempted. Temptation is a reality. There, there's no, listen, there is no one immune to temptation. Back to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, that verse says, as we are. Do you see it at the very end there? Tempted at all points, as we are. Every one of us is tempted. The third thing that I want to mention is this. You don't have to fall You don't have to yield to temptation. You don't have to throw in the towel. You don't have to tap out. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, notice, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Can you say that with me? God is faithful. In the year of faithfulness, the reason that we should be faithful, one of the reasons is because God is 
faithful. Can you say amen right there? God is faithful. Notice, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so, you don't have to fall. I do not have to fall to temptation. Now, you're looking at me and you say, Pastor, I, I don't know what you're talking about. What? Temptation? Hmm? I'm having a little trouble with a concept. What are you talking about, temptation? Well, uh, this morning I went by Food City. And I got, I got a little object lesson here for you. Do you know what that is right there? Do you know what that is? That's temptation. That's exactly, that's exactly what that is. And listen, uh, if you can't see way back there, this is a box of crispy cream donuts. Crispy cream donuts. This is a, and, and let me just go ahead and tell you this. This box has not been opened yet. Do you know what that means? Have you ever opened a box of Krispy Kreme donuts? Do you, do you know what that smells like? I'm going to tell you. Hold on just a moment. Oh, my soul. You, you talk about temptation. I just want to just sort of just, I'm just going to, okay. I'm just going to sort of, okay, yeah. No. Listen, you're looking at me and you're saying, Pastor, I have no problem with donuts. Well, first of all, you're lying. But secondly, secondly, you, you have a problem with something. There is something that you always run back to. There is something that you deal with. And listen very carefully, Satan knows what that something is. So you have your Bible, Luke 4. If you would stand with me in honor and reverence to the Holy Word of God, and I want to read beginning in verse 1. Luke 4 and verse 1. The Bible says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. 
For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Let's pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bow before you. Father, I just pray that you would help us this morning to see truth. Father, this scripture, this passage, is something that everyone in this church house this morning deals with every one of us. And so, Father, I pray that we might uh, see what we need to see. And when we walk out of this place, that our hearts will be uplifted, and, and Father, that you will have spoken clearly, and that we will be obedient. Father, I pray that you would just give me clarity of thought, an excellent recall of the things that I've studied, those things this week and this morning that I've bathed in prayer We'll be very careful, O oh God, to give you the thanks, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, and you may be seated. <clears throat> there are three things that I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture uh, this morning. First of all, I want you to notice that there is a temptation to doubt God's provision. There is a temptation to doubt God's provision. As we work our way through this text, it says in verse 1 of chapter 4, then Jesus, then Jesus. So immediately we must ask ourselves, when is then? And it's this, he had just been baptized. A couple of weeks ago, we, we studied that together, the baptism of Jesus. And, and I mentioned to you on that glorious day that, that the entire Trinity was involved that Jesus Christ, the Son, was being baptized by John the Baptist, that the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And then listen to this, God the Father from heaven said this, Blessed are you, you are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. And so this was the beginning of his public ministry. And, and you can imagine uh, what was taking place in his heart uh, as, as this was transpiring. And so that's when this is talking about, after the baptism of Jesus. And notice what it says. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan where he had been baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now listen, if you had never read this before, if we had not read it just a moment ago, everything up to right now is okay. He had been baptized. 
He's full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is leading him to the wilderness. And in our minds, maybe we think if we don't know, or didn't know what's going to happen, maybe to a desert resort and he's going to have some solitude. He's going to have some R&R. But at the very end of verse 1, you notice there is a comma. And as all of our English teachers taught us years ago, grammar matters. Punctuation matters matters. I remember hearing a story about this spoiled, rotten young girl that went with her girlfriends to Europe on a little vacation. And she was in a store, a jewelry store, and she found a bracelet and she texted her daddy, who is wealthy, but texted her daddy and said, Daddy, I found the perfect bracelet. It's only $75,000. Can I purchase it? Well, he was in a meeting, and he looked at his phone, he looked at the text, and he texted back, and he said, no, price too high. But he forgot to put the exclamation point, and when she read it, it said, no price too high. And so she bought it. Listen, grammar matters. Punctuation matters. And so when we look at this passage of Scripture, Jesus is not in the wilderness for just a little R&R. He's not there just for some solitude. Notice what the Bible says in verse 2 of our text. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. You look at me and you say, Pastor, well, (laughs) there's where I've got you. I don't believe in the devil. I I, I don't believe in the devil. No, that means you're already defeated. That's what that means. If you don't believe in the devil, he's got you right where he wants you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, I I believe sort of in the cartoon character of the devil. He wears red pajamas and big long tail and he has horns and he carries a pitchfork. and, And that's sort of the devil I believe in. Listen, as I said, you're already defeated if that's the devil you believe in. Then there are others that you're here this morning and you say, well, I thought the devil was bound. Yeah, he's bound to get you if that's your attitude. Amen. (laughs) I'm telling you, he's not bound. And so the devil is tempting the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice again, verse 2, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. He ate nothing. He fasted for 40 days. Look at your neighbor and say, 40 days. Say it, 40 days. He fasted for 40 days. Some of us can't go 40 minutes without a snacky poo. Amen? You know what I'm saying? A a little Ziploc bag of goldfish. We, We can't go 40 minutes. And Jesus went 40 days, and it says he was hungry. Now, the reason that he was hungry is this. uh, That proves the incarnation. He was 100% God, but also 100% man. He's the God-man. And so after 40 days, he is hungry. This is a real temptation. And in verse 3 of our text, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, 
Command the stone to become bread. If you are, some of your translations say, since you are. Since you are, or if you are the, the Son of God. Now, now, I said a moment ago, and I'm going to say it again. This is a real, real temptation. Have you ever been in Subway when they are baking the bread? Oh, my goodness. Uh, this is a real temptation in Israel, and we'll see it this week. Uh, in Israel, uh, in the old city, they have bread carts, and, and, and they have big loaves of bread, and it's just stacked up, and it looks like, some of them look like little stones. Little loaves of bread look like little stones. And, and so the devil looks and says, listen, command the, the stone to be bread. Let me tell you, let me tell you, what he was doing, what Satan was doing. You notice what he says there, if you are the Son of God. In other words, if God really loved you, He would provide for you. If God really loved you, you wouldn't have to go through what you're going through. You see, that's what he was trying to do. Uh, number one, he was trying to get Jesus to misuse his power at this moment because that wouldn't be a problem at all to turn a stone into a loaf of bread. I mean, he turned water into wine, did he not? He fed 5,000 men plus children and, and women with a Happy Meal, a little boy's lunch. And so this would not be a problem at all. He wanted Jesus to misuse his power at this moment. But the question is this, you the Son of God? Because if you are the Son of God, why does your Father not take care of you? See, that's the temptation for us today. Because what Satan does is he whispers in your ear. And he whispers in my ear. Oh, you're a child of God? Really? You're a child of God. You say you're a Christian, you're a believer, you're a child of God. Well, why are you going through what you're going through? Why are you sitting here and you think you have this need and, and it is yet to be provided for? That's exactly what Satan does to you and to me. He gets us to try to doubt God's provision, which means we doubt God's love. But I want you to see what, what Jesus does. Notice what Jesus does in verse, in verse 4. But Jesus answered him saying, It is written. Now Jesus is quoting out of Deuteronomy. You say, do to who? Do to what? Do to huh? Deuteronomy. He knew his Bible. He knew Scripture. And he is quoting this. He's saying, man, in verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 119 and verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
You see what Jesus did, and you've heard this over and over if you are a churched individual. When he faced this temptation, he ran to the Word. And that's a word for us, is is we need to, to know God's Word so that when we face temptation, we can go to the Word and then obey the Word. Later in that passage in the book of Deuteronomy, it talks about living out the Word, obeying the Word. And so here, what we see is that he tries to get us to doubt God's provision. But secondly, it's a temptation to doubt God's plan. A temptation to doubt God's plan. Notice verse 5, then the devil... That liar, O Slewfoot, that murderer, our adversary, the slanderer, the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Again, this is a real temptation. You see, when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, when he fell, temporary authority was was placed in the hand of Satan. The Bible in in, uh, Corinthians calls him the God of this world. In Ephesians, it calls Satan the prince of the power of this earth or the air. And so temporary authority has been given to Satan. So this is a very real, a very real temptation. And notice what it says in our text. I'm going to give you all of this authority. And what he was doing is this. He was trying to derail the plan of redemption. When you look at at what's going on here, he's saying this to Jesus. Listen, you can bypass suffering and have all of this without the suffering that you are about to face. In other words, you can have the crown without the cross. You can have the kingdom without without the tomb. You don't have to do that. I'm going to give it all to you right now. Friday I did something. I'm in my mid-50s. And I did something I've never done in my life. I was was having a little back... uh, opportunity. And I've told all of us going to the Holy Land, bubble wrap yourself and make sure you don't hurt yourself and and take vitamin C and protect yourself. And, and so I don't know what I did, something manly, but, but whatever I did, I, I tweaked my back. And, and so I decided Friday night I was going to sleep in a recliner. And so turned the light off, I had my phone, but I turned my light off, and and I went in there, and and I was just, it it was dark, it was dark as midnight under a skillet, it was dark in my, in my room, and so I backed up, 
I backed up and absolutely missed the recliner. It was so dark. I missed the recliner. Now, I want you just to look at me. This is what missed the recliner. And it was dead weight. Hey, let me just, this is for my interest's sake. Have any of you ever done that before? Well, praise God, it's not just me. But I did. I missed the recliner, and there's nothing more helpless than going, going back like that. I hit my back that was already tweaked on the corner of a bookcase and then ricocheted off the bookcase and hit the corner of the wall. And I was just laying in a clump. I was just laying there. And you know, when you've fallen really bad, you just sort of start moving stuff. Okay. And I was just, I was moving stuff. And finally, I got up. And honestly, I said to myself, it's still dark. It's still, I can't see anything. And then I remember I got a phone somewhere. It went flying. But I've got a phone. And finally, I got up and I was okay. Let me just go ahead and let you know my back is killing me this morning. It's killing me. But I thought to myself, you have done this thousands. I am a professional recliner sitter. I've done this thousands and thousands and thousands of times. I sit a recliner every day, multiple times a day, and I blew it badly. Listen very carefully. Satan is a professional tempter. He does this and has done this for thousands of years. He has honed his craft. He knows what he's doing. Sad to say, he's more successful many times than he is failing. Here, he looks at Jesus and he he says, listen, well, read it right there. Read what he said. I want you to see it. I'm going I'm to give you all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. You, you, can, you can take a shortcut. And church, that's what he whispers to you. And that's what he whispers to me. Because all of us have legitimate desires, but He wants us to fulfill those legitimate desires in illegitimate ways. He wants us to to take those shortcuts and those fast tracks and, and get off the plan that God has laid out, and He is good at it. This right here may not be your temptation. This may not be your temptation. Something is. And as I said, Satan knows what it is. He knows what it is, and and he's good at it because he's been doing it for so many years. But notice again what Jesus does. Notice what he says in verse 8. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and Him only you shall serve. 
Again, he quotes from the book of Deuteronomy, and he says, Get behind me. You only serve, you only worship one, and that is God. Not our house and not our automobiles, not our bank accounts and and not our occupations and not our kids and not our spouse. We, we worship God. So Jesus looks and he, he answers that. And then the third temptation is this. A temptation to doubt God's protection. A temptation to doubt God's protection. Notice, if you will, verse 9. Then he brought him to Jerusalem. And he set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are, again, if or since you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. And verse 10 and 11, verses 10 and 11 are, are amazing, really, because it's as if Satan is saying, Oh, I've noticed you like Scripture. So, Jesus, I'm going to quote you a little Scripture. Notice what he says in verse 10. He's quoting out of Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. God said He would protect you. He, he said He would. Uh, and he quoted, he quoted Scripture here, but what he did is, is he misapplied the Word of God. And, and this is what I thought about. You better know your Bible better than the devil knows it. You, you better know your Bible because he knows the Word of God. He knows it. And the way you know the Bible better than the devil is not only to know the Word of God, but be willing to live the Word of God out. Be able to apply the Word of God. One preacher put it like this. There's nothing more dangerous than a moron with one Bible verse. Did you hear what I just said? Because you can use one Bible verse and prove anything. I can prove to you that Moses played tennis. You say, no, you can't. It says that, that Moses refused to serve in Pharaoh's court. That's exactly what it said. I can prove to you that David rode a motorcycle. No, you can't. It said that David's triumph was heard all over the land. That's exactly what it says. And some moron can stand up and use one Bible verse and, and take it completely out of context. And if you don't know the word, you're like, oh, oh okay. Oh, that sounds good. No. It's, it's misapplied. It's out of context. And that's exactly what, what Satan was doing. He was taking the Word and he quoted the Word, but he, he misapplied the Word of God. In other words, listen, jump off here. He was presuming. That, that was the sin that was going to be. He was presuming. Jump off here. And boy, when you land on your two feet... Think about it. People are going to go, oh, and they're going to come from everywhere, and you can stand and say, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. Look at what the Bible says. Look at, notice, notice what it says here. Satan quoted Scripture. 
In verse 13, and Jesus answered him and said to him, Sucker. No, it doesn't say that. But he said, Listen, it has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. What he did was he put Satan in his place. You're going to take scripture and try to try to do an end round on me? Now listen, you don't tempt the Lord your God. A couple of times a week, Daniel does something that I that I love. He's spent time with our family, and I'm sure he does it there as well. But Daniel's bedroom is upstairs. My study is downstairs. My study does not have any doors. And so when Daniel walks downstairs, when he gets where he can see, he looks into my study like this. Like this. A couple of times a week, he says this sentence. When he wakes up, he goes, Dad. Yes? Listen to what he says. Want a big hug? I've never looked at him and said, No. What are you talking about? Want a big hug? Yes, I do want a big hug. I do. No matter what I'm doing, I... I love to hug. Don't you love to hug? I want a big hug. And so he comes and he walks down and he walks over to me and, and he gives me a big old hug. I give him a big old hug. Dad, you want a big hug? The answer is yes. Would you like a couple of things of how to deal with temptation? The answer ought to be yes. Let me give you five quick things. I think they're in the mar- somewhere in your sermon outline. First of all, expect it. Expect temptation. We started the message that way. You will be tempted, so just expect it. Secondly, prepare for it. Read the Word of God and and prepare and, and pray. Prepare for temptation. Know that it's coming and 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 be prayerful. And then third, be full of the Holy Spirit. In verse 1 of our text, it says Jesus, after His baptism, was full of the Holy Spirit. That word means saturated with. Pleres in the Greek, it means to be permeated thoroughly with. He was full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, listen, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be ye being filled with the Spirit. You, you ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the only way to do that is to yield our lives to the Holy Spirit, to be full of the Holy Spirit, and then fourthly, to be full of the Word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 11, we we said it a little bit ago, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against you. Be full of the word of God. That way when Satan almost said knocks on our door, he doesn't knock on our door, he, he leans on the doorbell. That's what he does. When he leans on the doorbell of your heart and when he leans on the doorbell of my heart, listen, we need to, to know the Word of God and say, uh-uh. And we filter it through 
God's Word. And then what we have to realize is this. We are not perfect. The cross proves that we're not perfect. If you could be perfect, there, there would be no need for a cross. And so when you do fall to temptation, here's the last thing, confess it. Confess it. Confess the temptation. You say, Pastor, I think I've gone, I've, I've just gone too far. You, you have no idea of my life. I, I think I'm beyond grace. I'm just beyond grace. I, I don't think I can recover right now. You, you, know, you don't know what I've done in my life. I do know this. No matter what you've done in your life, the blood of Jesus will cover that sin. No matter what you've done in your life. Jesus will take your sin and give you life, real life, abundant life. And so you confess it, Lord I'm sorry, I, I, I failed and I sinned. And I confess that I agree with you that what that was was sin, and I just want to confess it now. And I want to get right with you, in a right relationship with you. Every one of us fail. We all do. But Jesus is there. And when we confess it, the Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive us from our unrighteousness. Aren't you glad about that? That that is the kind of God we serve. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, and we're going to have a time this morning of invitation. If you're here today and you have never given your heart to Christ. You're here today and, and you say, Pastor, there's never been a time that I can remember. There's never been a time that I can remember where I've asked Jesus to be my Savior. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If this morning you want to do just that, you want to ask Christ to be your Savior, I want to encourage you to walk down in just a moment we begin to sing. And just say, I, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I, I want to go to heaven and not hell. I want Jesus as my Savior. I'm going to ask if Pastor Beck will be on one side, Pastor Laz on the other side up here in front, and you can go to one of these men. You can come to me. You say, I want, I want Jesus as my Savior. And then secondly, if you're here and, and you know that you have been saved, but this message, this, this sermon, this passage, these verses have hit you right between the running lights. And there's something that that you're dealing with, maybe you want to come and just get on bended knee because we're all dealing with something. You come and, and you give it to Jesus. Thirdly, if you're here and you've been visiting, 
you want to join this fellowship, you want to join this church, we would love to have you come and place your life here. Very quietly, very reverently, would you stand? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Stand and I'm going to pray. And Right after I pray, I invite you to come. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father, we thank you for loving us. And Lord, I just pray this morning that if there's anyone in this place and they, they're lost, they, they don't know you, Jesus, as personal Lord and Savior, their, their life, God, is in a tailspin. I pray that today they'd make the greatest decision that could ever be made. Father, I pray today that our altar would be full of men and women, boys and girls, that, that would lay things at this altar and give them to God. I pray that you would add to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.